Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning. Thank you very much for the welcome. Uh, can I add uh, weddings to the list? Uh, some of you know our firstborn son, Peter. He's getting married tomorrow. Uh, actually, uh, in, in the Netherlands, uh, he's marrying Anna van Dam. The van Dam family were here. Some of you may remember them from years ago. Uh, so Anna's dad was uh, working at Nets. So, uh, yeah, I think their eyes met across a crowded Vintuk or something, you know, many years ago, and it's come full circle. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic. So we're really happy. Uh, we, we won't be there, which is a shame, but uh, we'll be watching online. I'll be preaching online. Can you imagine the first time I've <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for your prayers. Um, you may know I've had uh, surgery recently, and uh, my gallbladder has gone. The Lord giveth, but the surgeon takes away, as you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to a low-fat Christmas, so please pray for me. Yeah. Oh, shame. <laughs> Uh, as you may have seen from the Facebook uh, page, we're looking at the, the hope that we have at Christmas time, where it comes from, and especially looking at the Old Testament background. What does, what does the Bible already have in place? What can we read about Christmas before we get to Christmas in the Bible? And the Bible is full of prophecies, uh, words written years ahead of time about what God was going to do at, at Christmas time. So, so this morning we'll begin at Genesis and we'll finish at Revelation. And, uh, and you think I'm joking? Uh, <laughs> so uh, if, if we can put the words on the screen, let's begin. If you've got your Bible, or follow on the screen. Uh, Genesis 3, uh, verses 14 to 15. This, this is the first gospel. Uh, it's an amazing uh, prophecy of what is to come. And it's also amazing because of when it was given, but we'll talk about that. Let's, let's look at the text uh, first. We'll read. Uh, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this uh, in uh, taking Adam and Eve away from God and, and eating the fruits that they shouldn't have done, uh, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. Uh, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This, this is the first gospel. This is the first prophecy of what God is going to do. And it's, it's right at the time when Satan has broken this relationship between Adam and Eve and God. Can you imagine? The, the, almost the instant that everything goes wrong, God prophesies the correction, what, what God is going to do about it. The, this prophecy is given at the same time. The serpent is still crawling, crawling? Uh, what do they, what, what do serpents do? Yes, sneak, slither, thank you, thank you, thank you. The serpent is still slithering around the garden and God is announcing his plan of what he's going to do. That's, that to me is incredible. At the very time when things go wrong, God has a plan, and he's announcing his plan. And it's, it's an amazing plan. Uh, you don't see it so much in the NIV. Uh, 
the Lord is saying, uh, prophesying, uh, a, a woman will come, and, and from this woman, the, the seed of the woman, and if you've done your biology at school, human reproduction, you'll know that the seed tends to belong to the man and the egg to the woman, but God prophesies the seed of the woman is going to make the difference. How's that going to work? Well, this is a prophecy of the virgin birth. Okay, So Jesus is going to come from the woman, but Joseph is not involved at all. This will all happen by the Holy Spirit. It's the seed of the woman uh, who will, who will uh, bring about this battle and who will actually crush uh, the serpent. And, and, and there, there is the, the message of how it will happen. The seed of the woman uh, will, uh, will, will crush your head. This is, this is what God says. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, his power will be destroyed. Uh, his authority uh, and, and everything that he will do uh, will be destroyed. His head will be crushed. Uh, and, and God says to the serpent, you will strike his heel. I think, well, how's, how's that going to work? How, how's that going to work? And then you imagine it. Do you know how you kill snakes? Well, you can chop their heads off. You can do that. But this is the other way of killing a snake. You can, you can stamp on its head, can't you? If you're quick enough, I guess. But this is, this is what's going to happen. The, the snake's head will be crushed and the, the heel of the seed of the woman will be bruised. Because in the, in the very action of crushing the head of the serpent, that the seed of the woman's heel will be bruised. He, he will also suffer. It's going to cost him something to, to, to crush the head of the serpent. So as, as, he, as he uses his heel to crush the head of the serpent, his heel's going to be bruised as well. It's looking forward uh, to the cross in, in this one action. It's, it's an incredible prophecy of the, of the virgin birth and, and of the cross, all here. But there's more to that. Verse, beginning of verse 15, the Lord says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. What's going on there? What's, why is, isn't God in the business of making friends? Isn't that what he's about? He's about reconciling people and bringing people together. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and God is making enmity here. But it's, it's because of this plan of God. How, how will God defeat Satan? He's going to bring the human race into the plan. We, we are becoming part of this plan. The, the woman, the seed of the woman, is, is going to come uh, from, from Mary. The, the human race are going to get involved. God is going to get the human race involved in this battle. And so Satan, who's already, who already hates God, God has already thrown Satan out of heaven, and that's why he's slithering around Eden, uh, that, that, that enmity is already established. Satan hates God. God is at war with Satan. But, but now, because Satan's defeat will be accomplished by the seed of the woman, the human race are involved as well. And so Satan adds the human race to his list of enemies. And God is going to put enmity between Satan and us because, because God chooses that we're going to get involved. <laughs> God is going to use us, the, the woman, the seed of the woman is, is coming, uh, and God will defeat Satan uh, with the seed of the woman. And so the, Satan hates us as well because God, in a sense, is, is using us to defeat him. We, we become drawn into this battle, and, and we'll see this theme uh, as we go through more, more scriptures. So that's what God is saying when he says, I'm putting enmity between, between you, serpent, and, and the woman, and, and the whole human race. Um, Satan now hates us 
because God has made us part of this plan. Let's look at another prophecy. We're not looking at all of them. Uh, we'll be here till the end of the week, till next week. Uh, so uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You will know all these uh, famous verses, but the theme continues. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, here we are. Uh, uh, therefore, says God, uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Uh, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the very famous words. And that wonderful Hebrew word, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and that's the whole point of Christmas, isn't it? God is now with us. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, C.S. Lewis said it's, it's, it's almost as if Shakespeare wrote himself into one of his own plays, you know, and became a character in, in a Shakespeare play. That's, that's what God is doing. He's, he's writing himself into the play. He's becoming part of our story. And, and it's amazing to think that this, this is our God. He, 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 he now not only uh, prophesies the solution to the problem when the problem has arisen, uh, but he's now willing to come in and, and be with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And that's, that's an amazing uh, little word that I suppose, that, that sums up our little manger and Joseph and Mary and Jesus and the shepherds and the kings, doesn't it? That, that's Emmanuel. That's what it is, God with us. If you've got your Bible, turn over again uh, to Isaiah chapter 9 and verses uh, 6 and 7. Continuing the theme. And uh, the words say this. For us, uh, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness uh, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And, and this child is the king of the universe. Uh, fantastic. That's, that's what God is going to do. The seed of the woman is none other than God himself, Emmanuel. And uh, verse 6, if you've ever wondered about how you go through this list of names of Jesus, uh, especially if you know Handel's Messiah, you know, it kind of chops up the titles in the singing. Um, but the Hebrew puts the titles together. So it's not wonderful and counselor. He's a, he's a wonderful counselor. Get the idea? He is a, a mighty God. He is the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's, that's how it works. The, the Jewish titles are two-word titles all the way through for Jesus. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the Prince of Peace. And it's this God who is Emmanuel. It's this God who is with us. And how is this all going to happen? The last line there, which, which I repeat to myself time and time again, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How is this going to happen? How on earth is this going to happen? How is the seed of the woman going to come and strike the head of the, of the serpent and destroy his power and all this kind of stuff? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And, and this is our God. He, 
he not only creates everything, but, but he keeps his eye on everything. He doesn't, he doesn't create everything and then leave. Um, there is a branch of theology which, which says that's what God is like, especially liberal Christian theology. Deism, it's called. Uh, God sort of winds up the watch and then lets the watch run down by itself and doesn't get involved. But, but that's not the God of the Bible. Our God is the one who creates and then monitors and keeps an eye and, and sees and observes and knows what's going on. Uh, God, God maintains his role in the universe. He just doesn't leave it alone. But, but even more than that, he's not just a God who sees. He's a God who is willing to take action. Isn't, isn't that incredible? We, we don't doubt that God loves and, and sees and knows what's going on. And, and we also don't d- doubt that God has the power to make a difference. We don't doubt that. But sometimes we doubt that, will God actually do anything when we pray and we ask God to act? Maybe he won't. Mm, you know? And, and that's, that's where the doubt comes in. <laughs> Will, will God act? Will God do something? Will, will he use his power? Will he take action? And, and you know it yourself, time and time again, walking around Vintook or when, it, when our lives go on, we see stuff, don't we? We see stuff happening and we have the option to, to get involved and, and act or not. And, and we're, we're in that place. I choose to act or, or not. And, and, and we kind of think God is a bit like that. <laughs> mm, is, he, is, he, is God a bit lazy on a Monday morning and he's not choosing to act today? Mm. But that last little line tells us that, that God is willing to act. He, he loves, he sees, he observes, he knows what's going on, and, and his zeal is there. He, he, he will accomplish things. He is willing to act. This is our God. He's, he's willing to step in and take action. And that's the God whom we pray to. That's the God who we ask things of when we need, when we need his help. It's, it's incredible. Our God is a God who is willing to act and, and take action and, and not withhold his power and his strength. And when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to this wonderful plan, how's it going to happen? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And, and therefore we have Bethlehem. And we have the manger, and we have the angels and the magi and, and Jesus in the, in the manger. Because God's zeal will make it happen. Excuse me. So this little verse drops into my mind a lot when I'm praying, when I'm thinking about what, what God needs to do, what needs to happen. Um, this, this is our God. Our, our God is the God whose, whose zeal will accomplish stuff. If, if God is willing to accomplish this amazing plan of salvation, uh, he is willing to do all kinds of things. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 53. I won't preach on it. Uh, I'll just read it through very famous words. Uh, of course, Isaiah 53 is not about Christmas. It's about Easter. But you can't have Easter if you don't have Christmas. So uh, the, the, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because it makes Easter happen. Uh, without Christmas, there is no Easter. So I just had to throw in Isaiah 53 because this, this is the, the plan that, that God is bringing into perfection. This is what God is doing. And of course, this is a prophecy. This is, this is seven or 800 years BC, this prophecy. Incredible. 
Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By knowledge of him, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Doesn't need any commentary, does it? But there is the, there is the heel of the seed of the woman being, being bruised as he, as he crushes the head of the serpent. It's all, it, all, it all happened the way Isaiah prophesied. 700 years or more before it all came about. In closing, let's jump to Revelation. See, I told you it would be Genesis to Revelation, so. Revelation chapter 12. Uh, I don't often hear Revelation being preached on in New Song Family Church. Maybe, maybe we should hear some more, hear some more of it. But so I thought, okay, let's, let's do this. There's a very good reason why Revelation isn't often preached on because it's difficult stuff and there are so many interpretations of what stuff can mean and it's so confusing and crazy and then one reason why we are confused by revelation I think is because we don't know our Old Testaments enough if 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 a if a Jew read the book of Revelation he would go yeah I know this stuff I know all these pictures this stuff is familiar to me um, uh, Jews reading their Old Testaments and, uh, and all these Old Testament prophecies and signs and wonders and apocalyptic literature and all this kind of stuff going on in the prophets, it's all there in Revelation as well. 
And, and if we knew our Old Testaments better, we would, we would not be scared by Revelation as we often are. It would, it would be familiar to us. So, um, you know, let's, let's not leave out Revelation. <laughs> and, and in Revelation 12, we've got this amazing uh, summary of, of, of the entire history of, of salvation. It's almost the whole Old Testament and, and most of the New Testament is in these eight verses. It's incredible. Did I say eight verses? Six verses. Um, so what I'd like to do is to give you Gunning's interpretation of these verses. But, but what I like to do in Revelation, when, I, when I'm talking about it, I like, to, I like to choose the simplest possible interpretation. Yeah? Do you get the idea? Uh, there's a thing called Occam's Razor, which is a wonderful philosophical tool. Uh, and Occam was this guy who said... Um, usually the simplest explanation is the correct one. If you have to choose between two or three or more explanations for something, usually the simplest one is the correct one. That's Occam's razor. You cut out all the complicated stuff and you leave the simplest one. And that's usually the correct one. And he was thinking of philosophy, but it works in life as well, I think. So um, don't forget Occam's razor. So I like to use Occam's razor when I'm, when I'm going through Revelation. Um, and almost nothing is as it appears in Revelation. That's also why it's difficult, okay? Uh, what you see and what you read is not actually there. Something else is going on. It's figurative, okay? So let's read these verses and, and have a go at, at seeing what's going on. Revelation 12, verses 1 to 6. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. Uh, a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Wow, all these signs and wonders. So nothing is as it seems. The, uh, the woman is not a woman. Uh, the stars are not stars. The dragon is not a dragon. Uh, the child is a child, which is good news. And, and the 1,260 days aren't actually 1,260 days. So, so what are these things then if they are not what they are? Hmm. Okay, so let's have a go at this. So the first sign that appears is this woman. Uh, moon under her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head. This, this is the nation that God has chosen. So the, the 12 stars are the 12 tribes of, the, of, of Israel. Did I say Israel? Judah. Yes, all of them. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, giving rise to, these, to the 12 tribes of, of God's uh, people. So the woman is not a woman. She's, she's the nation of, of God's uh, chosen people. And, and she's pregnant. She's, she's going to give birth. She's going to, the seed of the woman is going to come. Uh, she's pregnant, and from this nation, uh, God will come. The seed of the woman, the, the, the one who will, the Savior, the one who we've been reading about in Isaiah 53, 
from, from her, he will come. And, and she's pregnant. And if you know your Old Testament timeline, you'll know Abraham is about 2000 BC. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, and Jesus was born about 5 BC. Yeah, Jesus was born five years before he was born. You knew that? Yes, good. Um, so how long is this pregnancy? This pregnancy is about 2,000 years. That's how long this woman is pregnant. No wonder she's crying out in pain. And, and the, pa- the pains that she's crying out, well, you've read the Old Testament, haven't you? You've seen what's happened to God's people throughout history. The, the, the devil, the serpent was listening when God prophesied those words in Genesis 3.15. He knew that the seed of the woman would come and destroy him. So from then on, he's been looking out. Where is this, where is this woman coming? From where will she come? And, and when God chose the 12 tribes to be his people, the Satan knew, okay, the seed of the woman is coming from here. Okay? So, the, so, so for, for these 2,000 years, Satan has been doing his best to destroy God's people. And he very nearly did. 12 tribes became how many? Two. Israel disappeared. The 10 lost tribes disappeared. Okay, uh, Satan nearly won, and and even the even Judah that was left went into exile for seventy years and were nearly destroyed. <laughs> it was that close. It was that close that the seed of the woman almost did not come. But but God knew from from this little nation of Judah in exile in Babylon, the seed of the woman must come. So so he organized things that Cyrus would send the Jews back to their own land and they would rebuild. And eventually the seed of the woman would come. Amazing. 2,000 years of a painful pregnancy. But even, even when the seed of the woman was born, who was king? King Herod. What did he do? As soon as he heard about this king of the Jews being born, he organized all, all the male boys under three-year-olds to be killed. Yeah? This is the dragon standing in front of the woman trying to destroy the child as soon as he was born. Even, even Herod was being used by Satan to try and stop the seed of the woman surviving to adulthood. And that's who the dragon is. He's a serpent in the garden, slithering along the ground. Here he's a, he's a, a red dragon in the heavens. And what does he do? His tail sweeps the stars in the sky. They're not stars, they are the angels. Okay. Uh, Satan has, has, has rebelled against God. He wants God's place. God has thrown him out of heaven. And, and it's almost as if as he's thrown out, on the way out of heaven, his tail drags the angels. And one third of the angels follow him down out of heaven. Can you imagine? And, and this is why we have demons as well as the devil. Yeah? The demons are fallen angels. Once upon a time, they were angels. And it's almost as if uh, when, when God threw Satan out of heaven, he said to the angels, okay, anybody else want to follow him? Or are you going to serve me? Choose now. Angels, you choose now whether you're going to stay with me or follow him out of here because Satan's going. He's out of here. Lucifer, he's, he's going. I've thrown him out. This is your chance to choose. And the angels made that choice on that day, and they, their choice was irreversible. The fallen angels can't choose somehow angelic salvation and go back to heaven. No, no, they're done. They're, they've chosen their fate. Do you remember that little verse in First Peter where 
Peter says, angels long to look into these things. They long to look into the human salvation. How is it that humans who are lost, how, how is it they, they get a second choice? They can choose God again. We, the, our guys who chose the, to follow Satan, they, they couldn't choose again. And, and they're scratching their heads about our salvation because they don't get that chance. <laughs> the angel's choice was once forever. And, and, and this... This is their choice. One third of the angels followed Satan out of heaven. Can you believe that? It's incredible. No wonder we have troubles with demons and in Africa and everywhere else, of course. Oh. Think of, think of, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, this is a bit off the track. Uh, one, of, one of my uh, topics in my English course at NETS is, is a little essay on Halloween, talking, talking about what Halloween is. You know, trick or treat and all that stuff. And the, these nets, these Namibian students are scratching their why would any idiot white people want to celebrate that kind of stuff? We know demons. They, they, it's not fun. Why why what you know, what's what's candy and sweets got to do with this? You know? And yeah, absolutely. It's 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 not fun, is it? It's it's deadly serious. And and this is why. Satan as a following, he took a third of all the angels with him when he fell. Wow. Yeah. So the dragon is standing in front of the woman for 2,000 years to be ready for when the child is born so that he can destroy the child. And, and, Herod, and Herod nearly managed it, didn't he? That was the plan. Herod was, was the dragon's instrument for trying to destroy the baby at the moment he was born. But the, the, the child was born... And, and it's, there's no mention of his life. There's no mention of the cross here. <laughs> Interesting. That was Isaiah 53. But, but his ascension is here. The, the child was snatched up to God and to his throne. We've jumped straight from Christmas to the ascension. Why? Be, because we are, we are being shown the battle between God and Satan. Once again. We're being shown the battle and we are, show, we are being shown how sure God's victory is. Satan has been trying, he's been waiting for 2,000 years to destroy Jesus. <laughs> and at the very moment that Jesus is born, he's, in a sense, he's snatched up to heaven. He's protected. He's protected and he's now at the right hand of the Father, ruling uh, with that iron scepter. There's, there's no way that Satan can defeat God. There's no way that Satan can defeat Jesus. Yeah, he's, he's safely in heaven. Even on the cross, Jesus was in control. Do you remember, do you remember in, the, in the garden when, when the, the Roman soldiers came uh, and said, uh, Jesus said to them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. Do you remember that, what the soldiers did? They all fell over. They fell over with that proclamation. <laughs> they were powerless. Jesus could have said, okay, and just walked out the garden. The, 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 arm, the army who came to get him were just felled by his word. But he was in control even at that moment as he surrendered to them and went, and went to the cross. So what about us who, who God has put enmity? God has put enmity between the Satan and us because, because we are now part of the, the defeat. We are now involved in the defeat of Satan. Verse 6. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. When you, when you get fed of life in the big city, where do you go? You go to the bush, go to the desert, go to the wilderness. You go to chill 
and relax. And that's exactly what's happening here. If you know Daniel's prophecies, the 77s, uh, the whole of biblical history divided up into 77s, uh, and the last seven is the, is the eschaton. It's the, the time before the return of Christ and the judgment of Christ. And, and it's a time of, of, of great tribulation and suffering. And you read about the rest of Revelation, you know that. Uh, and God tells us because of the great suffering in that time, that time will be shortened. And that final seven years is cut in half to, to three and a half, and I'm not going to cut a finger in half, but there we go. Uh, the, the final seven is cut in half, three and a half. Time, times, and half a time. Yeah? Uh, and if you, if you round, a year, how many days in a year? Three, six, five, three, six, four. If you say 360, because it's a nice round number, get your phone out and multiply. Here we go. 360 times 3.5 is what? Oh, 1,260. So 1,260 days is the three and a half years. It is the time, times, and half a time of the great tribulation. So you see, it's not 1,260 years. It isn't 1,260 years. It's, it's it's actually 365 days in a year. They've, they've just rounded the number nicely. But, but it means the, 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 the woman, the church now, it was in the Old Testament, it was God's people, Israel. It's now the church of God. Uh, the woman is kept safe in, in the wilderness during this time of great tribulation uh, of, of, of three and a half years. The, the final seven chopped in half. And, and, and God now keeps the woman safe. So the child is snatched up to heaven, and, and the church, you and me, we are, we are protected uh, in the wilderness. Even in this terrible time of great tribulation, uh, we, are, we are protected by God. It's, it's, it's a wonderful promise. And, 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 and you can see Christmas. Christmas is, is, is it's, a, it's, it's a war, isn't it? Christmas is, is showing us the battle. Oh, peace and goodwill to all men. Yeah, but, but a great battle between God and Satan. And, and that's what we see in these scriptures, in these prophecies. And believe it or not, there is a, a Christmas hymn, a Christmas carol that talks about this. It's my favorite one, A Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, but there's two lines in that which, which highlight the battle. Uh, and it goes like this. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Isn't that incredible? That little baby in the manger. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in, in, that, in that baby in the manger. Our, all our hopes and all the fears of Satan. Yeah, That little baby makes Satan quake in his boots because he knows that God's plan announced in Genesis 3.15 has come into effect the zeal of the Lord Almighty has accomplished it. And that little baby is going to go to the cross, and the cross is going to be your salvation and my salvation. And, and that, little, that, that baby that goes to the cross will be snatched up to heaven to be ruling at the right hand of God. And then one day, coming back to judge heaven and the earth, and, and finally put Satan in his place, and all his followers and all his demons. That's, that's Christmas. Christmas is, is a picture of this battle uh, coming down into earth. Uh, and, and, and the war is happening on our doorstep. 
and, and it actually happened. And amazing. And, and God is asking you and me to take our place in, in this battle. Yeah? Satan is now angry at us. God has put enmity between Satan and us, whether we like it or not. Uh, and we have to be prepared to fight. What a wonderful Christmas, peaceful Christmas message this is. <laughs> but, but you see, there's more going on at Christmas than just peace and love and turkey and other, other good stuff. It's, it's a battle. And it's, it's a sign that God is willing to take the battle to Satan and his zeal will accomplish our salvation and ultimately the defeat of Satan. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God who creates, you are the God uh, who maintains the universe, you are the God who, who observes and sees all that goes on and we praise you this morning because you are also the God who acts. You are, you are willing to take action. You are willing to solve the problem, even at the cost of sending your own son uh, to die. <clears throat> Lord, at this Christmas time, we, we thank you that we have so much to celebrate. Uh, and we thank you that <clears throat> even though uh, you started a war, uh, that, that you, are, you are willing to, to prosecute that war and to see it through to the end. Lord, and we, we look forward to the day, our, our hopes are set on that wonderful day when uh, Satan and all his angels will be sent to their place and, and we will be uh, with God and see God face to face forever. And Lord, may this Christmas time be a, a, a reminder to us of all these things that have happened and that will happen. Uh, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca. And I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.